0: My guest today, Jessica Posner, is the CEO of a nonprofit dedicated to the empowerment of adolescent girls. The name of her organization is The Girl Effect, and this name refers to a concept in international development that has become increasingly relevant over the last decade. The Girl Effect refers to the community and societal benefits that can accrue when investments are made specifically in the education and health of girls. And indeed, this has been backed up by research over the years and has been a driving force guiding many health and development projects. In our conversation, Jessica Posner kicks off by explaining the concept of the girl effect. And we then have a longer conversation about the work of the organization that she leads. This includes projects aimed at increasing the demand for reproductive health services and education among young women and girls in the developing world. I caught up with Jessica Posner while she was in Kenya, where she lives with her husband, the Kenyan social entrepreneur, Kennedy Odede. I mention this because she brings up her husband in our conversation, and I should also use this moment to plug the fact that Kennedy, like me, is a Humanity in Action senior fellow. This is a great conversation. You will learn a lot about The Girl Effect, the concept, and Girl Effect, the organization. And I'll post a link to The Girl Effect on globaldispatchespodcast.com. For you premium subscribers, the bonus episode this week is my conversation with international relations scholar and Washington Post columnist Dan Dresner. To unlock that episode and dozens of other bonus episodes, please become a premium subscriber by going to patreon.com globaldispatches global dispatches. And a note from our sponsor, Northwestern University's online master's program in global health. You can learn how to make a meaningful difference in places where it is needed most. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and click on the ad to learn more, or go to sps.northwestern.edu slash global. If you are considering a master's degree, do check that out. And now here is my conversation with Girl Effect CEO, Jessica Posner. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.
1: So I think to the question of what is the girl effect, um, we know that girls all over the world face significant barriers to reaching their potential simply because they are girls. And we also know that adolescence is a time where gender roles, gender-based discrimination and bias really start to take hold. And this can severely limit girls in accessing the resources and support that they need. And so globally, compared to men and boys, women and girls have less decision-making power, mobility, increased domestic work burdens, less access to nutrition, health, education services. Um, And of course, they're at greater risk of violence. But however, you know, in the past decade, a lot of work has been done to address this and put girls and women on the global agenda. And so I think what the girl effect is, is the belief that investing in a girl, enabling her to reach her full potential has an outsized effect on the planet. You don't just impact that girl and her life but she actually has the power and the ability to impact others within her sphere of influence. And there's so much data that shows and supports that when girls have different aspirations, when they're accessing services, when they're having children later, when they're staying in school longer, there are tangible benefits to communities, to the GDP of countries. So I think the whole notion of the girl effect is that a girl is powerful on her own and in her own right. And yet investing in girls could actually tackle so many other issues like climate change. You know, there's just a Brookings study that showed that for every um one dollar you invest in a girl and family planning and her health, you would have to spend four and a half dollars on solar technology to get the same offset in carbon reduction. So I think this belief that the girl effect goes beyond a girl that creates change in communities and countries at large, really on almost every issue that matters is, is the, the concept that underlies the girl effect as an idea so Uh, that's obviously supported by so much evidence
0: well i've seen a lot of those studies that you've cited um and i've i've read many of the reports that do suggest this kind of outside societal impact that investing in adolescent girls can have uh in your work presumably you've encountered sort of living breathing examples of of the girl effect in, in action can you tell a story or share an example of, of a, a girl you've worked with, you've encountered, who, you know, is this effect in action?
1: So many. Um, I'd love to. So I think I can talk maybe a little bit about my own personal experience before coming to Girl Effect. So I spent the last 13 years working in a community called Kibera, where my husband was was raised, one of the largest slums on the continent. And part of what we were working to do is actually put girls, women and girls at the center of community-based development and to change attitudes and perceptions about women and girls. And so I think that in my own experience in my life, I and mean, Kennedy's mom is a fantastic example of a woman now, but a girl then who had my husband when she was 15 years old, proceeded to have eight children had incredibly difficult barriers in her personal life. But she was so committed to educating her children that she and Kibera started a savings group and started bringing women together, young you know, adolescents, older adolescents at this point, to just save whatever they could, whether it was 50 cents a week, a dollar a week. And so through this, these women would then go home, hide the savings in the bottom of the flower so that their husband couldn't find it and use that money to send their children to school to put food on the table. And so I think Kennedy's mom is just kind of one illustrative example of what women and girls do when they can access resources. Another example- I I I should say, I appreciate
0: that you cited your mother-in-law. That's always, always helpful. Yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think that my mother-in-law is a great example. And I think Some of the other girls that I'm always inspired with the ideas that girls have to change their communities. Um, I remember some of the girls at the school that Shotsko started would talk about their responsibility from the age of 10 after getting an education, wanting to give back. And so one girl who's now actually studying in the U.S., her name is Eunice, um, would talk about her aspirations to become a journalist, a human rights advocate for other girls, and she's going home in the evening. She's teaching her siblings English, teaching them to read and write. So I think we can really see that the Girl Effect is is alive and real. And that's really what brought me to the organization, Girl Effect, is my personal experiences with my mother-in-law, with my sisters-in-law, but also with the tens of thousands of girls like Eunice that I've been incredibly lucky to work with over the past decade, So I think at Girl Effect, what we are trying to do is to take this knowledge, to build on some of the experiences I've had, but also 14 years of being a leader in this space. And so Girl Effect as an organization, I think, had some of the foundational insights that the world needed to be talking about adolescent girls. And so what we do today is I think that there is an important insight that services are Starting to exist for adolescent girls, the development community over the last decade has invested heavily in training programs, vocational programs, economic readiness, um, educational attainment and equality for boys and girls, health services for girls. And so these services are starting to exist in a way that they didn't before. But what hasn't changed is if you can imagine a girl, and I know many of these girls from my work in Kidera who live next to a health clinic but can never imagine walking through that front door because that girl just doesn't see herself as the type of girl who accesses services, who takes care of her sexual reproductive health, who gets contraception. So today, so, like the, the supply effect. side
0: is that's interesting. So, like the supply yeah. side is 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 there because of, I think, this concept of the girl effect that you know it's okay. been around for a decade. Exactly. So so you have like these investments okay. in in health clinics, but the the demand isn't there is what you're saying
1: exactly. And so I think that we sort of have assumed in the development sector that you build a clinic and they'll come. And I think what we've learned is it's not that simple, especially for girls because they're dealing with both internal, and external barriers and gendered barriers that prevent them from walking through the front door of that clinic because she's wondering, what's the health worker going to say to me? What if someone finds out? What will someone think? And that these are very deep. So I think that Girl Effect, completely to your point, had this insight. Adolescent girls needed to be funded. They needed to be central to the development agenda. And we've made huge progress in that front. But what we haven't now cracked How do you actually now get her to want those services, get her to take advantage of them, empower and enable her to make choices to overcome both the internal and external barriers? So the demand side is really missing. And so that's what we do today is we kind of use our brand DNA started by Nike, our understanding of mobile technology powered by partners like Vodafone to really Reach adolescent girls and to take them on a behavior change journey. So, so can that you tell changes t- the choices they make? Well, well oh, so sure. can
0: you take me through an example of of what that looks like?
1: I'd love to. So, in Tanzania, we have just launched uh, a new youth platform. So, what do we do? I and mean, we know young people want to be on places that feel like they're made for them. And so, with our kind of Nike brand DNA, we create virtual safe spaces for young people powered by mobile phones. And we're, so we're reaching them where they are today. Um, I'm sure my kids are too little. but My friends who have kids talk about their kids are on their phones. And that's not just true in the Western world. That's true globally. We've done some really interesting research with the Vodafone Foundation that actually dispels a lot of the myths that adolescent girls around the world don't have phones. What we've actually learned is that they may not own a phone, but they own a SIM card. So if you imagine you're a girl in Tanzania, we've launched a platform called Tutubebe. And Tutubebe today is accessible on an IVR line. And so what that means is a girl can call a number, it's zero rated by Vodafone, and she comes into an audio content world which is about all the issues she's facing. So it's about what to do when she gets her period. What does that mean? How to manage that? It's about economic readiness, how to negotiate with her parents to get a job, how to start thinking about her aspirations for her life. Um, This platform will ultimately also help drive towards sexual reproductive health services. Thinking about how do you inspire and motivate a girl to keep herself healthy, to make choices that protect herself we can talk about immunization and how she decides to you know, get the HPV vaccine. So this girl can call into this IVR line. And today, we've just launched this brand uh, at the end of July in Tanzania. But we've had almost 100,000 calls to this line, which I think just really shows that young people want to be part of online spaces that feel made for them. In other countries, um, in India, for example, we have a platform called Chaja which is reaching girls on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and soon via WhatsApp. So it's video content, it's audio content, it's a chat bot that can answer your questions. It's a community of girls like you to have that conversation. And then we're also making links to offline services. So whether that's clubs or clinics or places in the real world to reinforce the online messaging.
0: So I know it's it's early in the launch of that Tanzania yeah. program. You said there's 100,000 sort of contacts have been made. Calls, yeah. Ha- calls have been, like, have you learned anything sort of surprising to you from those, from, from the data yeah. you've collected so far?
1: Absolutely. So I think that we were shocked that just the, the volume of calls just so immediately after launch, really without any marketing spend. So I think what that's shown us is that girls are hungry for content that feels like it's made by and for them. And I think also, so in Tanzania, we're really learning about a low-fi, kind of low digital access environment. It's an IVR line, any phone will work. And so I think it's been really interesting to see the uptake in that compared to India, for example, which is a much more kind of high-fi digital marketplace. and so I think there's there's different learnings about how to reach girls in different environments. How do we get in front of them? Especially since we know in many of the places we work, boys are much more likely to have access to a phone or to be phone owners. So I think we've learned a lot about how to actually get in front of girls. And, you know, in India, for example, only 25% of internet users are female. But we know that that's going to be a huge place of growth. In the future and in the near term future, so we've done a lot of work with actually a digital ethnography of adolescent girls in India. Where are they online? What are they watching? Who are they talking to? And I think WhatsApp. And what have you found? Looking... Yeah, what
0: what have you found there? I mean, that's fascinating. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I think I think WhatsApp is an incredibly universal tool of communication. Whether you're a girl in Tanzania or India or Rwanda, and becoming much more prolific, but that could change tomorrow. There could be something new. And so I think we've also learned we have to be nimble because where young people are isn't going to be static. And I think we've also learned that short content is important. So what we're really using is behavior change science in our content that takes a girl on a journey where she, at the start of that journey, can't imagine walking into a health clinic And so she needs to see other girls like her who also don't feel that that's a relevant or accessible experience, but actually walk with that girl, the character and the content that we're creating as she's going on the change journey. I think another surprising thing we've learned is that change in real life happens slowly. So in our content, we also can't move too quickly because the second that something happens in a storyline that allows a girl to say, oh, well, she was able to make that choice because she's different from me, the likelihood of that girl changing her behavior decreases. So I think there's some really interesting insights from the the world of brand insights, of Facebook, sort of data science, of working with telecoms like (laughs) Vodafone, and then really understanding the world of adolescent girls. I think another thing that we've done that's really interesting is build a platform where girls actually become our, our source of knowledge about other adolescent girls. So we've built a tool called TEGA, which stands for a technology-enabled girl ambassador. And how this works, it's literally girl-to-girl. It's a peer-to-peer research tool that is uncovering completely different insights about the lives of adolescent girls. I was talking to one of our TEGA's in Tanzania, and she told me, um, basically, she said, when a mama Walks into the room to an older woman, we're going to lie to her. But if an adolescent girl asks the question, we'll tell her the truth because she understands she's like us. And so through Tega, we've deployed Tega in over seven countries in India, in Bangladesh, in northern Nigeria. And I think we've really gotten some foundational insights to the thinking of adolescent girls. So, for example, if you think about HIV, Adolescent girls are one of the only demographics globally where new infection rates are rising, not falling. And why is that? When we think about it from the perspective of a girl, this is the first generation of girls that is growing up having seen people living healthy, productive lives on ARVs. No one knows their status. They live completely normal, you know, happy lives. Hmm. And so for many girls, the choice of, you know, Telling your boyfriend to use a condom and the risk that you might lose him in that conversation feels much riskier than potentially contracting HIV, which feels like it's livable in today's um, mm. medical medical environment. So I think understanding that insight, understanding how adolescents make decisions, what feels like a bigger risk to her may feel different to an adult decision maker. Can
0: you? Um... And so putting
1: those insights central.
0: Well, look, can you sort of talk me through what a storyline looks like in, in um, for ex- one of your platforms? Um, you know, how, you know, what are sort of the stages of that um, sort of decision influencing process?
1: Mm. Great. So in India, for example, we have three different content formats today. So one is a comedy. It's a sketch comedy about a girl and her best friend. Who is making decisions like should I go to volleyball practice or should I go out with my boyfriend? And so you watch. It's funny. It's kind of engaging. It's three minutes on YouTube. Each each episode is three minutes on YouTube. And so you watch that girl going through completely relatable, normal moments that any adolescent girl in India might have. Now there's another format, which is a direct to camera kind of informational video. So questions like what what are the myths and misconceptions of getting your period? What are the things people tell you that are true and not true? So that's kind of a much more informational format. And then we have a third format, which is a much more narrative drama. And so you watch a girl, a similar character, um, going through difficult decisions. How does she actually decide that she wants to take charge of her sexual reproductive health? And so you see her interact with her friends, with her parents, with her boyfriend. So it's It's interactions that feel very mundane, very day-to-day, but also very relatable. I think, you know, for example, in India, what's also unique about this is these are adolescent girls themselves who are featured in the content. So you look and you see a girl who looks like you. And when you look around the media landscape in India, an adolescent girl might only see another girl who feels similar to her in a sanitary napkin ad. So I think it's also about representing that girl in the media and giving her a role model that feels like it's within her world and context,
0: so how do you know if a campaign like this is <laughs> successful? is it Is it really a function of whether or not there mm. is an increase in demand of like reproductive health services?
1: Great question. So we're really looking at behavior change on a continuum of behavior. so, One of the first things we're looking to measure is knowledge, attitude. So does her knowledge change? Does her attitude towards her sexual reproductive health change? Um, Is she talking to her friends about her sexual reproductive health? Is she negotiating with her boyfriend? And then ultimately, at the end of that behavior change journey, does she do something different? Does she uptake a service? So I think the kind of long outcome we're looking to in this particular um, vertical is Service uptake, but we're also really interested in the in the kind of um, the continuum of behavior change that leads to that ultimate outcome.
0: Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add uh, before we we wrap up? Any other sort of point that you think is relevant to to let people know regarding your work?
1: I think that you know we're in a really interesting moment in the sector with the the explosion of digital technologies and innovation the reality that we also need to be reaching girls where they are on the ground, um, and thinking about how we bring these different opportunities together. So I think we're in an an exciting innovation and learning moment, but really with that insight that as supply starts to really improve and exist, we have to tackle the demand side. We have to tap into a girl's aspirations, her hopes, her inner motivation, And only by doing that are we going to actually unlock all of the investments that have been made in supply-side services.
0: Uh, Well, Jessica, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Jessica. That was helpful and lively and exciting and interesting. Thank you. And as always, if you're a regular listener to the show, please feel free to get in touch with me. I do love hearing from you. You can go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and click on the contact button. I uh, read and respond to all the messages I get over that platform. So thank you. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.